This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Shannon Bream. I'm Tom Shalhoub. I'm Maria Bartiromo, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. I'm Dave Anthony. He's the newest runner in the Republican race for president. As I've traveled across the country to all the primary states uh, like Iowa, you know, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, uh, what I've seen is that people like my story, they like who I am, they like my profile, and they want to hear more. We speak with Miami Mayor Francis Suarez. I'm Chris Foster. There are other Democrats running, but the Democratic National Committee is expressing strong support for President Biden. Historically, the party um, in power, they're going to go with the president that's uh, the candidate's already at the White House. And I'm Charlie Hurt. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. The road to the White House is getting crowded with runners. My dad taught me that you get to choose your battles, and I am choosing the biggest one of my life. I'm going to run for president. I'm going to run for your children and mine. That's Francis Suarez, the mayor of Miami, Florida, in a video he put out announcing his 2024 Republican campaign. Then Suarez went to the Reagan Presidential Library in California. It's time for a leader who can connect with segments of our country that Republicans have historically lost, like young voters. And urban voters. And his message to them? In today's America, this administration's policies make the poor poorer, America weaker. It was Suarez's first address as a candidate. Washington's inaction on our national border is another massive example of failed leadership. It has turned every city in America into a border city. It's made it into a bipartisan issue in American cities. Very, very difficult to do. In my city alone, our school district grew by over 14,000 students last year. How can we possibly build that many classrooms? But Francis Suarez joins a Republican race that former President Trump leads by far, despite his legal issues. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is a distant second. Everybody else is in the single digits. So why did the mayor decide he can run and win? Because as I looked at the landscape of the potential candidates, as I said a couple of weeks ago, I became increasingly convinced that I was uniquely positioned to solve the major problems of our country. Francis Suarez is the 12th Republican in the 2024 race. And what they are, from my perspective, and I think from a lot of Americans' perspectives, is the deficit, which we have, which is out of control and creating inflation and high interest rates that's making in Joe Biden's America, the poor, poor, which Democrats supposedly care about the poor, and they've made it worse for the poor. Uh, immigration. I don't think that there's a person in a better position than a Hispanic Republican president to solve the immigration problem once and for all, and to peg it to uh, important objective metrics like unemployment and our declining birth rate, and make it something that benefits Americans and is a strategic advantage for Americans. And then the threat of China, which is a competitive threat and a national security threat 
We need to deal with that head on. And I think one of the best ways to do it is to create a strong American economy. Uh, and what I've done in my city is create a city where you have num your number one in wage growth uh, and the lowest unemployment in America, as well as number one in technology job growth. And why is that important? Because the economy of tomorrow and today, frankly, is metamorphosizing from a highly industrial economy to an increasingly digital economy. And our country needs to be positioned to take advantage of that tsunami of opportunity. And I think I'm the best candidate to do that because I've done it and because I understand it in a way that other candidates don't. Yeah, you were in California. You made your first remarks uh, in your campaign at the Reagan Library, and you talked about Miami being basically the new hub for technology and innovation, not necessarily Silicon Valley. Yeah, my focus is in defining what I'm for instead of what we're against. I think for our country to prosper, we've got to focus more of our time on the things that are that matter and the things that are going to create prosperity for more people. And I think what we're doing is we're focusing a lot of times on issues that distract us, that take our focus away, which is frankly what our enemies want. I mean, if we're to pull, you know, the leadership of China, Russia, North Korea, Iran, uh, Cuba, and you ask them what is the best thing that they can inculcate in America, it is the kryptonite of democracy, which is division. And we seem to be giving it to them in part because from a press perspective, sometimes it creates ratings, uh, sometimes uh, it, it's, it creates more drama. And instead, we have to be focusing on the things that unite us, like creating generational prosperity, like making sure that as Republicans, we don't just win the 24 election, but that we win a generation of elections by including new voters, such as Hispanics, getting suburban women back into the fold, uh, making sure that we have young voters that we lost by 26 points to Biden. And yes, making significant gains in cities were like mine. You know, I was elected by 85 percent and reelected by 80 percent in a city that used to be plus 30 for Democrats and that I converted in part to plus 10 for Republicans, a 40 point swing. I have to ask you about that, because the other day when your campaign was announced, Carlos Jimenez, congressman, he used to be the Miami-Dade County mayor. He's a Republican. He has backed uh, former President Trump. He was very critical of you. He called you a fraud. He said you, your job as the mayor is ceremonial. It's a part-time role. Were you surprised or have you and he had run-ins before? I'm not surprised. He has had issues with me for a long time. It's personal. Um, it goes back to issues related to when we were both mayor at the time. If I were to say that the sky is blue, he would say that it was green. And, you know, I'll tell you that uh, if you're running for president, you know you're going to have haters. That's part of the, the job, right? You're, you're going to have distractors. And it's not so important who they are. What's important is addressing what they say. And I think what's important about what he said is, you know, he's making he's trying to make the argument that my experience doesn't doesn't prepare me to be the president. And I can hit that head on. Right. And when I talk about the deficit, I'm the only candidate in the field, in the entire field that has cut 20 percent of their budget in one year, which is precisely how much we have to cut of the federal government budget to balance our budget. I'm the only candidate who's Hispanic. Uh, and I think when you get down to the nitty gritty on immigration, you want to have a Hispanic Republican president who has brought Hispanics to the Republican side to have that conversation, to demystify any sort of negative impact on the Republican Party. And number three, when you talk about China, you know, uh, I have much more foreign policy experience than I think he even knows. But aside from that, uh, what's really important is how do we position our economy, right? China is the best way to beat China is, is, is in a similar way to how we beat Russia in the last generation. We outproduce them. Uh, we out-technologied them. Uh, you know, we, we out-American them. Right. This is a massive communist country with a declining birth rate. And they're trying to keep up with us 
uh, with significantly more people. If we keep our pedal to the metal and we keep competing and we don't, we're not afraid to be who we are, we're going to beat them. But we need to have the right leader to shape the vision of where we go. Yeah, he also, and you've heard this before, and you'll be dealing with this again if you get the debate stage, that you didn't even support Donald Trump in 2016 or 2020. And they're, they're insinuating that you voted Democrat in the last few elections. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where he got that from. I think he... He forgot that he's the one that voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I voted for a Republican in 16 and, and in 20, uh, I wrote in a Republican in both elections. And in, in 18, I supported the governor uh, fundraise for him. Fortunately, he didn't return my phone calls. He never uh, maintained a relationship with me. He never even asked me for, for an endorsement personally. And, uh, and that's very symptomatic of who he is. If you look at the fact that 12 out of 13 congressmen didn't support him in his state, I think it's indicative of the fact that he just doesn't build relationships. And then the worst part is he turned his back on the one person who did support him, which was the former president, uh, and some of the his aides that worked with him, like Susie Wiles. So I think it, it's really more indicative of who he is. He lost my city by 20 points uh, in that election, but I supported him after that election. I did a fundraiser at my law firm for him. He showed up a couple months later. So these are the things that people don't see. And then I, I voted for him in his re-election because I thought he was much better than the than than the person he was running against. So I think a lot of that is just someone trying to narrative build so that they can try to diminish me or kill me in the crib as I as I get all this momentum coming out of my announcement. Yeah, and, and obviously Ron DeSantis is high in the polls, second in most surveys to former President Trump in the Republican race. You're trying to get yourself going in this campaign. How do you, you know, people well, will hear people? Right. Yeah. People will I hear you're both from Florida. Get... Why you? Why will they support you versus someone they know more in Governor DeSantis? Well, I think we're going in different directions. I think he's going down and I'm going up. Uh, so that's number one. I think what people want to see is someone who can articulate what they're for, not what they're against. Because uh, I think, you know, continuing to get into this divisive conversation only helps our enemies. I'm not saying that you can't have some of those conversations. Of course you have to. And they're important. Uh, but I think they can't dominate the discussion because if they do, we're never going to change the conversation in this country. All we're going to do is fight with each other. And listen, when you go to Washington, you don't have super majorities like you do in Florida. You have to find ways to work with the other side to get things done and solve major problems. You're not going to be able to balance the budget. You're not going to be able to uh, solve the immigration issue or confront China properly if you don't know how to build relationships. And that's the biggest, I think, detriment that he has. He's not a relationship builder. Now, the campaign, you're just getting going. The first debate yes, is in August. And as you talked about last time we spoke, you need to get 1% in three polls. You need 40,000 unique donors to get onto that debate stage. How are you going so far? Well, that's a 10-meter target. And I think, uh, frankly, the Republican Party is right in uh, making those thresholds. And I honestly believe that if you're not able to make the first debate stage, you shouldn't be running for president. And I can tell you that if I don't make the first debate stage, I won't be running for president. I my my view is we're going to do everything that we can and everything that we must do to get there because we need the millions of eyeballs that are going to be watching that debate to continue to hear my message and hear my story. As I've traveled across the country to all the primary states uh, like Iowa, you know, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, uh, what I've seen is that people like my story, they like who I am, they like my profile, and they want to hear more. And the only way for them to do that is to hear me on the debate stage. So we're going to grind it out uh, until that day. We're going to get there, God willing. We'll make a big announcement when we get there. And then hopefully have an opportunity to continue to share our story and our message of positivity and a, and a, and a positive, concrete vision for American success 
with millions of Americans. And you. thank you for giving me the opportunity to do it now. And by the way, I'll just say one last thing. Yeah. Our website is www.fxs24.com. And all I ask voters is for a $1 contribution to get me on that debate stage. Mayor Francis Suarez from Miami, now a Republican candidate for president in the 2024 race. Thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, Dave. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Charlie Hurt with your Fox News commentary coming up. Nearly two months after officially announcing his re-election campaign, President Biden's held his first 2024 campaign rally in Philadelphia, hosted by AFL-CIO unions already endorsing him and Vice President Harris. We're doing something right now no one has thought possible. We're on the edge of a manufacturing boom in America. For the longest time, we've been told to give up on American manufacturing. I was told you can't do it here anymore. Well, I never believed in this nation used to lead the world in manufacturing. And we're going to do it again. Now he's on a three-day trip to California, attending several campaign fundraisers, making the case to supporters he deserves four more years. This president has done more in terms of legislation, passing and signing, more than any other president in modern history. So I think he has to remind that um, to the American people. And not only where we are today in terms of the economy and everything else, but where we're going. Jose Arista Munoz, former DNC deputy press secretary and founder of the PR agency VIP Media. If we look at the patterns of inflation going down from 9% to 4% since June of last year. If you look at the economy, 13 million jobs being created. And month after month, we see labor reports and jobs reports being positive. So I think he's got to remind people of, yes, we're not 100% where we want to be today, but we're going to a, a better place. You mentioned inflation, and it has been going down. There are people, though, who say, look, we're not feeling it yet. We're, we still are. Our standard of living is, is down. What do you say to those voters and also, there are other another top concern of some voters is something the president can't do anything about, which is which is his age. Sure. Look, I, I think they're fair questions. I think the president has been very clear on the age issue. He's been able to say, look, age is a concern for you. That's OK. Uh, he can't change his age, as you said. Uh, but watch me. Watch me do the work and base me not only based on my age, but judge me on the things I've been able to get done uh, for the American people. Um, I think age will play a role in this presidential election, not only on Joe Biden's side, but also on on Donald Trump, they're both pretty you know pretty up there, and and I think that's okay. Um, but I think Biden has to be very clear on the things he's been able to get done for the American people. And if his age was an issue, well, you know what, he wouldn't be able to get the amount of things that he's been getting done for the American people. Um, there are a lot of Democrats, a surprising amount to me, who are saying, "Look, I I like to cast around for an alternative. I'm not saying they won't come home to President Biden in the end, but." It's surprising to me the support that somebody like a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has, even a Marianne Williamson has. There are Republicans in the race who would die for the numbers that those two have right now. Um, how do you respect those skeptics and not give too much oxygen to somebody like RFK? Yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. And if you look at the polls on whether people are looking for 
alternative choices, even though, like you said, they'll come back home to Biden uh, later on. Um, I think people always want fresh things. I mean, I think you look at Republicans, they're saying they would like to see other candidates than, than Trump. Obviously, they're getting that because there's a there's a primary. But with Democrats, I think that there's nothing wrong with saying we would like eventually a new leadership. And even Biden has said uh, when it comes to members of Congress and himself that he wants to help to form, shape uh, the next sort of generation of, of political leadership. So I, I think that's that's one thing that he's got to do no matter what. And then on the Robert Kennedy um, issue, polls are an important part of of politics and elections, but you got to take it with a grain of salt. So if you look at what happened in 2016, every single poll in America said that Hillary Clinton was going to be the president of the United States and she lost. So I don't know if I believe those those polls all the way, but historically, and this is the question that we get a lot, it's like, okay, well, the DNC is choosing Biden. They don't want to do any DNC sponsored uh, debates. Well, guess what? Time and time again, when the incumbent of the party, the party of the incumbent, in this case, the DNC, they always go with their guy at the White House or girl at the White House. So that's important. Look at the history, look at the patterns uh, of the past. Um, one good thing is that at least maybe, you know, Robert Kennedy, he, he's kind of, he, he might be an issue candidate. If you look, if you want to look at it that way, he might bring, he might help shape some of the conversation around an issue that he really cares about. Uh, but again, historically, the party um, in power, they're going to go with the president that's uh, the candidate's already at the White House. What do you make of California Governor Gavin Newsom trying to make or, or keep himself visible nationally? I mean, he's talking about gun violence. He's talking about a, a constitutional amendment. Got a lot of time on Fox this month with a pretty well-received interview with Sean Hannity. What do you think Newsom's up to here in regards to the White House? Is it just, you know, positioning himself possibly for, for something in the future or is or what? I mean, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is saying to Newsom, obviously, this is self-serving. He's saying, you know what, get in the get in the race, Gavin, if you're that interested in it. Um, look, I, I, I think Newsom, um, you know, he, he's he's a governor of, you know, pretty much the largest states in the nation. So I think he, he's got a pretty large voice here. Um, you know, I think he's looking to 100 percent differentiate himself from the pack uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that he, that he's interested in running for president at least this election we know that he won't but you know what four years goes by pretty quickly i mean he might be prepping for for an election in 2028 um and, and you know i think he's he's picking the right fights he's he's doing a very good job at, at staying relevant obviously the gun issue it, it's very important to many people and and he's been able to bring that national issue or that issue to to the national stage and picking fights uh, with Governor DeSantis. I think it's very smart, not only because I agree with him that DeSantis is wrong in, in many issues, but um, it's a presidential candidate. So he's not only fighting or debating with a governor, he's actually debating with, with a presidential candidate. So I think that that's smart on, on both fronts. Yeah. But I don't think there's nothing behind the scenes like, oh, he's preparing to run for president now. No, he's just trying to differentiate himself and do something on an issue that he actually cares about. Uh, President Biden says the, the, these Hunter Biden, his son investigations and his bribery investigations that House Republicans uh, keep pointing to. He says they're malarkey uh, in his words. Um, does that stuff become a thorn if it stays at the level it is as it is now um, with no smoking gun? Do most voters care about it if it doesn't really, really blow up? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Look, Republicans lately have been pointing out or trying to to say that the DOJ is controlled by Biden and that the FBI is controlled by Biden and they're used to keep the president in power and, and so forth or and go against his, his, his enemies. I think it's silly. I think in a country where 
the Department of Justice is investigating the son of the president. So if Biden was really controlling, quote unquote, the DOJ, well, they wouldn't be investigating his son. And they are. Hunter Biden, he's a private citizen. Um, if he's broken the law, we're going to find out. There are allegations that the DOJ is preparing very soon here to bring uh, charges forth on on Hunter. On the bribery issue, the FBI has said time and time again that there was no wrongdoing on, on Joe Biden's uh, part. Now, obviously, with the Republicans in control of the House on the Oversight Committee, Comer and Grassley have obviously taken their, their sort of mission to bring this forth and, and talk about it. But time and time again, uh, you, you see them uh, put forth a bunch of pressers and press releases and, and press events uh, where supposedly they're going to, you know, unveil uh, what's happening and all these big things and, and nothing comes to it. You look at the document, the FBI document that they were talking about the last couple of weeks. They said that that document is horrible and the FBI doesn't want to show us anything. Then the FBI show, shows this to the oversight committee and there's been no breaking news on it at all. I don't think there's nothing there. Um, even if there was at uh, at some level, not even on Biden's side, but maybe just on Hunter, um, I don't think the American people are, are, are paying attention to it too much. I think their number one issue, especially this election, is going to be the economy. President Biden's support uh, among Hispanic voters, not that every Hispanic voter is, you know, votes on the basis of that, but um, just as a, as a, as a block, th- that support isn't necessarily uh, as strong as he'd like it to be. What does he do there? Sure. Well, look, um, th- there's a there's a good argument on on Latinos and the GOP. Uh, that is, has, has the Latino vote shifted in some part to the Republican Party? The answer is yes. But the question becomes by how much. I think, um, you know, some political Republican pundits will go out on national television or radio and say, look, the Democrats are losing the Latino vote. This is the end of, of you know, of their party. They lose the Latino vote and then they lose some of the African-American vote. They have nothing. Um, it's not true. Um, it's not true because 60 percent of Latinos continue to support uh, Democrats. Hillary Clinton in 2016 got 70% of the vote. Okay, Biden 2020 got around 60% more or less, so he didn't get as much as Hillary Clinton. That's important. We need to pay very close attention to that. I think part of that has to do with the Cuban vote and the Venezuelan vote in in South Florida, um, that they're very much driven by the messaging, which is even though untrue, but by the messaging that Biden is a communist or that Biden is a socialist, you know, and I think the way that we should respond to that, but we got to do a better job of doing that is, look, uh, Biden beat the socialists. He beat uh, Bernie Sanders in the primary. Yes, there was a socialist in in the nomination in the primaries and the actual the center Democrat beat him. And that's Joe Biden. If you're the Biden campaign, who do you most not want to run against? Would you would you think if you're a Republican voter who's going to vote solely on electability against Joe Biden, who who's that person? You know, I, I think it's early because I think some of the other contenders, uh, we got to define them of how strong they can be. But from a, from a beginning, from like if, if I were to make that decision today, I would say Ron DeSantis will be the biggest threat uh, for a party. And the reason is because even though you know, he's very much like Trump 
on policy, he's still a new face. He's younger. Some people will say he's charismatic. So I think that will be the biggest threat for Democrats. I think Donald Trump, we beat him once, we can beat him again. Um, I don't see an issue, obviously, with all the criminal charges that he's got and all the court appearances. That is a negative baggage for the former president. So I think if Donald Trump is the nominee, I think there's going to be no issue for us um, to beat him. With the Santis, though, I just don't see him getting far in the primaries. You know, as we know, not as many people vote in the primaries as uh, in comparison to the general. And one thing that the former president has is that his base is very loyal to him and, and they're going to come out and vote no matter what. And in the primaries, you don't need as many people um, to vote as you would need in comparison to the general. But if DeSantis did get to the nomination, I think that would be a, a much bigger threat than, than Donald Trump. Jose Arista Munoz, former DNC deputy press secretary and founder of the PR agency VIP Media. Jose, good to talk to you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Put the power of over 100 meteorologists and the worldwide resources of Fox in your hands with the Fox Weather Podcast. Precise, personal, powerful. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Charlie Hurt. What's on your mind? Article 2, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. The president, vice president, and all civil officers of the United States shall be removed from office on impeachment for the conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. You would think that after six years of fevered obsession with impeachment, the folks in Washington might know an impeachable fence when they saw one. From the day Donald Trump was sworn in as president after the 2016 election, Democratic politicians and the media were singularly focused on reverse engineering high crimes and misdemeanors to hang on Mr. Trump so they could impeach him. So blind was their obsession with impeachment that Mr. Trump not only became the first president impeached twice on hotly partisan grounds, but also made history as the first president ever impeached after he left office. With so many experts on impeachment lying around the Capitol these days, you would think they might be quick to recognize an actual impeachable offense when it came along. The problem for the Trump lynch mob was that no matter how hard they looked, they could never find an actual impeachable offense to hang on Mr. Trump. And the fact that they impeached him even after he left office is final proof they never pretended to take the process seriously. It was all a partisan temper tantrum from day one. Now comes a slew of charges against a live, sitting president that are such dead ringers for impeachable offenses that they actually made it into the Constitution by name. Accepting millions of dollars in exchange for public action is the very definition of bribery. Selling out American policy to foreign adversary in exchange for money is treason. You don't have to get into the vagaries of high crimes and misdemeanors when you have bribery and treason staring you in the face. The FBI has in possession credible testimony that President Biden, as vice president, accepted a $5 million bribe from the head of a Ukrainian gas company in exchange for pressuring U.S. influence to pressure the Ukrainian government to quash an investigation into the company's corrupt practices. The same witness also claims that Mr. Biden's son, Hunter, was paid another $5 million as part of the same scheme. 
dovetailing precisely with this evidence is actual video footage of Mr. Biden openly bragging how he had used his position as vice president to withhold $1 billion in foreign aid to Ukraine unless the government fired the prosecutor investigating the company that paid his family millions of dollars in bribes. Well, son of a b Mr. Biden marvels in the video. He got fired. We also know for a fact that Hunter Biden was paid millions of dollars from the same Ukrainian gas company to sit on its board, even though the younger Biden had no experience in the energy field and doesn't even speak Ukrainian. His only expertise was his father's position as vice president. We also know for a fact that Hunter Biden had an arrangement with his father to pay him a significant cut of the bribes he collected from Ukraine, China, Mexico, and even Russia. No, these are not just high crimes or misdemeanors. This is treason and bribery. Yet what are Democrat politicians and the media in Washington singularly focused on today? Mr. Trump's handling of records from his presidency since leaving the White House. The impeachment circus goes on. The only remedy for innocent American citizens is the next election. This is Charlie Hurt. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Dana Perino. Join me for season three of my limited time podcast, Everything Will Be Okay, based on my best-selling book of the same name. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.